um, this campus. How to Worship a King is a series that we began a, a few weeks ago, and I'm going to give thanks for Tyler last week bringing an awesome message. Thank you. He allowed Lori and I to go camping in Arkansas. We were at uh, Mount Magazine, which is the highest elevation. It was 10 degrees cooler. That's why we chose there than anything else. But thank you, Tyler. I thought he did a great job. Maybe I'm going to give a shout out to Tyler. Or should I say the Lord, he allowed the Lord to speak through Tyler. There you go. But we've been talking about uh, that people who have said yes to Jesus, people who would call themselves Christians or Christians, that biblically speaking, you're priests. You carry the presence of God. You are the modern day priests. But uh, as we look at worship and as we look at living out life as carrying the presence of God or to being sons and daughters of the King, we can learn a lot from the Old Testament. And what is our job? What's our, what's, what is it like? What's the responsibilities of carrying the presence? What is it uh, about ministering to God? What is it about blessing others? It, learning, we can, we can look at that and we can learn as we look at scripture. I had the privilege in 2008 to go to Israel. I was part of a organization called Kufi and actually I went with a church called Faith Bible Church out of Arvada, Colorado. And uh, we went, and not only did we do a lot of great sites and a lot of great insights there, uh, but we carried, there was people from all over the United States, uh, I got to carry the Oklahoma flag, and we actually pers- uh, marched through the streets of, uh, of Israel, uh, proclaiming our uh, support for, for that nation and, and the roots that go back to there. In fact, we moved from there to a place called Ariel, and if you understand, that's uh, kind of surrounded by the Palestinian fence and wire, but it was able to go and be part of planting a vineyard. But the reason I'm bringing this forward is that is it fits into today's study because I actually got an opportunity, part of this tour, and this tour group was different. They had a ministry over in Israel, and so they had a lot. We had extra days that do things that were not on the norm. But one of the things they did is they took us to an empty field with a bunch of rocks. That's a lot of Israel, by the way, when you get out of the city. But, but what they shared was, is it was one of the places where the tabernacle, the place of worship for Israel was many, many, many years ago. And in fact, I was actually able to walk around in this area and was able to pray. And it was at this location that I had a, an amazing encounter with the Lord. Now, now what I want to say is it's not just that location or that part of the world. You can have an amazing encounter with the Lord anywhere you let him in. But I was so prepared and so anticipating running into him at this big open field of rocks because this is where others had worshipped in the Old Testament way. And, and, I, and I, I was able to, 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 to just enjoy the moment. In fact, I, I knelt down to pray kind of in the area where they said that the Holy of Holies happened to be. Closed my eyes. I was on my knees praying. And time kind of stopped for me. Now here's why. Because I was thinking, I was just really enjoying praying. It was peaceful. I was really talking. You know, Lord and I were just, in, just, it was just, I couldn't even tell you how sweet it was. Has anybody ever been had a sweet time with the Lord? Well, I was having a sweet time. And again, the time kind of got away from me because when I kind of looked up, all the tour group had already loaded the buses. In fact, it was all the way back, and they, I'm the only one still kneeled down in the middle of this field. And there was a lady, as I looked, I went, oh my goodness, you know, have you ever been, oh my goodness, and you're like, okay, it was me now, everybody's going to know I'm, anyway. But no, I, so I'm kind of gathering myself, and I'd had a tender moment with the Lord, but I, I'm thinking, oh no, and I'm focused on, 
you know, all the people waiting on me. And there was this lady standing on the rail that led up to the bus area. And she was crying. Just had tears. She said, and I was, you know, the whole, I'm so sorry. I apologize. I'm late. Right? She goes, no, did you see them? I said, what? He said, did you see them? And she just was still moved. And I, I said, what? She said, the angelic beings that were over you. All I can say is in my heart, in my prayer, I felt I was really close to God in some great ways. I had no idea that anybody else could see God working on me or ministering to me. Isn't that amazing? Do you think God can do that today? He absolutely can. I, that's not even a vote. I'm just gonna, that was kind of like a rhetorical question. He absolutely can. And so when we talk about worship and we talk about being followers of Jesus, it's so good to go back to the order and design that God placed when he said, here's how you worship me. So the question today, the first part, and we're going to have two parts, I had too much material, and actually we're going to do communion at the end of this message. Just if you are needing communion supplies, there will be people that uh, will give that to you before we finish today. But why a tabernacle? Why would there ever be a a need for a tabernacle? It's because God put a place, a a place of dwelling where he wanted to dwell on this land. He wanted to have a presence with with his creation. And, And when we look and read scripture, what we began to find is how he specifically articulated every detail, even where the different tribes would line up. And isn't it interesting when you look at the numbers per tribe, what it forms on the ground? Now, that's just an interesting fact. Now, whether they were in straight lines, and I don't know, but in generally speaking, you found that you had the weighted amount towards the bottom, much like a cross. It was set up, this tabernacle, in the center of their camp, and it was symbolizing the idea that God was going to be the center of his people's lives. That's what he originally said is the way you move forward in life. In fact, when we look at the tabernacle, these are just various, obviously they didn't have Polaroid cameras back then. These are artist uh, ideas of how this might look. Uh, it wasn't fancy. Later, there was a temple where uh, David was part of helping Solomon, his son, build. But no, this was really about this, this, this tabernacle. It, it's a, a, a place that really imitated or was a place of dwelling, and it had a reflection. It was actually designed after the heavenly places. Why did he build it? I believe that he wanted to be near his people. I believe God wants to be near us even today. Amen. So he built this tabernacle, Moses did, by careful design to give us access to God. Here are some of the details uh, you will find in a, in a tabernacle. There are uh, various uh, parts. There's an outer court, there's an inner court, and there's a holy of holies. There's a, a visual of that. Uh, when you think about these parts, there's so much behind each area. A lot of times people go, well, what do you mean? If you kind of look to the right, there's the outer courts, the holy place. And so our lobby is kind of like the outer courts. I mean, I'm playing here a little bit, but isn't that something? Think about it that way, though. But more scholars bring this to fact. So we have the tabernacle layout on the left, and there's these instruments, these tools, these things that are part of the inside of the tabernacle. And once you get inside what has been made, and if you kind of line them up, it also lines up with man, body, soul, spirit. 
That's what many say. Interesting. Everybody say, hmm, because I want to make sure you're following me. So let's, let's take a walk into this, this place. Let's take a, a walk into the significance as it relates to you, a worshiper of God. Is anybody here not a worshiper of the Lord? By the way, they've got some churches down the street that would be that kind of church. Here we like to worship him. So I just wanted to check, make sure you're in the right place. Because he's worthy of our worship. Amen? How about for the worship team? Man, that was, that was awesome. But you know what? You're the worship team. These were leading you, the worshipers in worship. That's really what it's about, folks. A little paradigm shift. Amen? So let's dive in. The outer court. Let's take a look at this. And this is the part I'm talking about. I'll give you kind of a reference here. And if you go a little further, imagine what we're going to talk about. It's going to talk about your body. The body in a man, if you kind of think about that, isn't necessarily a flesh body, but it's what touches the world. It's what is seen by the world. If you were thinking about a tree, the body is the leaves on a tree. It's the outward aspect of the bark. It doesn't reveal what's going on underground or in the trunk. So a body is this thing that is engaging in the world. It's of the world. World. So let's walk on in, and the first thing we find is an altar. And if you'll remember correctly, they would bring unblemished animals and grain and all these things to, to bring an offering to the Lord. The first thing they would do is enter up to, and come up to the altar of sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. See, there's this approach, this is a thing to learn as we even come into a, this house of worship or this gathering of worshipers, is are we approaching with a sacrifice in mind? Because historically, that's what God pictured. The altar was made of acacia wood or shim, uh, shittim, in the, King James says it. it. It stood about five to six feet tall, kind of hard to get to. It's not the best barbecue, uh, but it was on a square. It was in the middle, and, uh, in this, this central area. It walks in, and the first thing you run into before you enter where the presence of God is, is sacrifice. Did you bring a sacrifice unto the Lord? In Psalms 118, it even talks about how their sacrifice after it was brought there is uh, attached or tied with cords to the horns on each corner. And what they would do with these animals is they would bring them in and they realize this is for a sin offering. And this is where we get the idea of the lamb and we get the idea of blood. And they would, they would lay their hands on the lamb or whatever the animal is and they would say, they would pass on their sin. They would pronounce their sin. They would speak their sin into and over this animal. And then that animal was slain. It was, the throat was cut and there was blood and it was poured at the foot of the altar and the body was placed there on the altar. And there was a, a portion that was, was, uh, uh, was burned as a sacrificial uh, sweet aroma to the Lord. And they call that worship. Aren't you glad you all didn't have to bring your sheep today? We have so much more luxury, but think about what it means though to the modern day worshiper. And why is it an altar of sacrifice right in the middle of the gate, the access to come sit down here at Community Church? I can see now Tyler's thinking, okay, I can get with Josh. We could build this thing. But think about it. Remember, we study the tabernacle. It teaches us about how to access God, how to, how to encounter him. 
And every step in God's tabernacle is a step of significance, and it's an access to God, and, and it can only happen through a blood sacrifice is what we're seeing in the Old Testament, right? Mm-hmm. Guys, I, I had to cut. I've got more material here. Remember the, the rule of thumb, five, five minutes off this, if you just engage, blink or something, all right? Then I know you're there. But I want to make sure I don't lose you because we're going somewhere with this. When we think about today having access to the throne room of God, we're reminded of the death and the shed blood of Jesus on the cross, right? Did you know that aside from that sacrifice, there's no access to God in today's time? Look what Romans 12:1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And some of you should be in a little nervous because Tyler and Josh are building an altar and you're going to lay your bodies on it. Not really, not really. I like how the message says it. Let's see if you agree with me. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, take every day, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around and place it before God as an offering, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. That last statement, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. You're a priest. Interesting that we'd have that, that particular altar of sacrifice. Let's go to the next thing. The next thing we see as we enter the courts of the tabernacle is a laver. And it's not spelled the same as lavatory. I kind of wanted to go there and I looked it up and so sorry, it didn't work. But between the altar of sacrifice and the tent of meeting or called the tabernacle is called the brazen laver. If you go to Exodus chapter 30, it says, you shall also make a basin of bronze, and it is to stand of bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tent of meeting and the altar, and you shall put water in it, with which Aaron and his son shall wash their hands and feet. Now, there are priests, and if we now are the modern-day priests, it's talking about not only is there a sacrifice they had to bring themselves, but they also had to go to this this laver. And it was a, a big open thing, right? And it was of brass. It was this wood thing made with brass. They say they took some of the mirrors from Egypt, you know, when they got delivered, the thing of reflection, and that's how they hammered it into, that's just one person. But, but have you ever looked in a pool of water and seen your reflection? See, that's as much about seeing yourself as who you really are, and then washing off the world. Remember, they're still in the outer courts. They're still in that part of worship. So I'm trying to envision that. I was walking in. I parked my car. You know, I'm, I'm thinking great things, and I'm walking in, and I'm thinking, what's my sacrifice of praise, maybe? What's my sacrifice today, the Lord? And am I willing to look at who I really am without the Lord and then allow myself through the word, which we're going to look at here in a minute, wash me with the truth so I'm prepared to worship? to prepare to encounter the Lord. See, every one of us, if we could truly grasp this, we'd start, we, we might not even make it in here. We'd be running into people in the parking lot going, praise the Lord, praise God from whom all blessings flow. That'll be your generation, my generation, right? You don't need to plug in here to worship. But it is a... Are you ready to bring something of sacrifice? Are you ready to bring something to, and, and move to something where you can look at yourself and be reflective? Hmm. 
Then we keep going on, and Aaron and his sons were instructed to wash their hands and feet. We find this in verse 20 and 22 before going into the tent of meeting. It was all about making sure that we weren't, and I'm just going to take this modern, our mind's not still tied up in the secular things you've got to tend to, your tent making. It's not tied up in the things of, of who done me wrong or what the last social media post happened. I'm trying to get my mind reflecting that I'm, it's, this is coming into his, pre, his presence to give him worship. And I, I want to get out of myself and get into himself. Amen? I, I, I'm going to start really letting loose here in just a minute. I'm going to blow this again because, you know, because really I want us to get this. I've been blessed and letting this seek into me. The laver today is the word of God, and if you want to have the greatest instrument that has been put into the modern day to bring the reflection of truth into, against who you really are, just get into the word of God. Read the word of God. Meditate on the word of God. It washes us. It cleanses us. And, it, and this is, the, it is a life submitted to this process, this entering into him, a product of, of, of moving towards more and more holiness. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, without holiness, no one can see the Lord. We can be saved and miss the move of the Spirit. We can be saved and have our eternity secure, but if we're not careful, what we have going on in us and around us and through us can rob us of the joy of the Lord. Doesn't mean we can't see God until we become perfected. Please don't hear me say that. But what we do, it does mean is we cannot get any closer to Him without submitting ourselves to a process of sanctification. I know people that are rougher than a cob. Their vocabulary would just shock many people. And they're going to heaven. I know that. They believe in Jesus. But they don't have joy and peace and patience. They're not, a, they're not being transformed. They're, they're kind of just got their eternity fi- figured out and being robbed of what God would offer them even today. Hmm. But that's good worship. Here we are talking about the outer courts or the courtyards of the tabernacle. In the outer courts, most of that ministry is actually God ministering to man. Would you all agree with that? It's God ministering to man rather than man giving worship to God. That's us getting us ready. And if you want to be ready for a touch of God, there's some things you got to get kind of in front of him and before yourself. Hmm. Everybody say, hmm. The outer courts is where God saves us. The outer courts is where our, uh, God changes our attitude to thankfulness and praise. It teaches us submission and cleanses us. All of that ministry transforms us into ministers and it ministers to us. That's why David wrote in Psalms 84.10, it says this, for a day in your courts, better than one day in your courts, that's a song, right? Is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness or comfort. I'm trying to set you up to how much better and how good the Lord is. And I know whatever you have, it's, it can only get better. But this place, this, uh, this, this outer courts, this courtyards is not the end in itself because then it's actually a preparing us for what God wants to do with us next. Guess what that is? The holy place. The holy place is this part of the tabernacle. Is everybody tracking with me like, okay, that's great history, Pastor Bill, but I'm really getting a piece of that for my life today. Anybody getting a little bit of that? Okay, because I'll blow the shafar again and ask the Holy Spirit, because only he can teach you. But you got to ask for it. you got to receive it. Amen? Okay. 
Now we're moving up to soul. And you notice in the bottom, uh, the body, there was the, there was the altar of sacrifice. There was the, the laver. And, and now we're going to get into at least one part of the rest of it we'll cover next week. We're going to get into, to one part as we move into this area. If you think about the courtyard as being, uh, outside, it's subject to the elements. And the holy place is kind of inside and closed and dark. If you think of the courtyard as loud and it's public and it obviously smells of animal waste and all that stuff, right? Uh, the holy place is quiet. It's still. It smells like freshly baked bread and wine and oil and incense. And, and the only light that comes are the seven flames of the golden lampstand, which we're going to talk about next week. And these lights are reflecting off the gold that's all in this room that formed the walls of this sanctuary. And think about it. Wine and bread and candlelight and golden. If the courts are like family picnic, the holy place is kind of like a romantic dinner for two. And that's exactly what it's supposed to be. That's the point. The courts were designed for ministry to the public. The holy place was designed for ministry to God. It was for intimacy. It's where Moses went to talk face-to-face to to God. It's where a friend would have a conversation with a close friend. No wonder Joshua in Exodus chapter 33 verse 11 says he lingered. It was a lingering after Moses received his answers. He was face-to-face with God. And folks, when you get face-to-face with God in your prayer life, you don't want to leave. The courtyard is preparing us to minister to God, but the holy place becomes... How a people learn how to minister to God's heart. A priesthood whom God is able to display his heart through. Hear me out. Folks, we're to display as believers. We go out into the world. God isn't just to help us get through Monday and Tuesday. God isn't just saved us just so that we can have a a, a wonderful finish and a great portfolio and however you want to set up your retirement. God saved us to put his spirit in us so that when we go out, people see him. And the way people see him is when we're, we have his heart and his power flowing through our lives. Amen? Hmm. So that leads us to this thing, the first thing we find on the right side. And by the way, the only reason I know it's on the right side, no, it's in the Bible, but I was going to say this Polaroid was taken. We walk into this holy place. And to the right is the table of showbread, and it's sometimes spelled shoebread. And what we find is, is a, is a, a acacia wood table covered in gold. Remember, acacia wood represents sinless or incorruptible uh, humanity. You've got it, but it, again, we, we've, we've seen that, but gold in the tabernacle. See, there's no brass, though. There's only gold because brass was only in the courtyards. There's no brass in the holy place. Why is that? Because brass represents judgment, and there's no judgment when you're in the midst of where God is. You've been covered. The blood has covered you. You're now in a place of ministering to God, and then there's no judgment. So the only thing we find there is gold, which is representative of deity. There's also an altar of sacrifice, which represents sinless man, Jesus, who took the judgment of the sins of the world, but also the the table of showbread. We're going to come back to altar of sacrifice next week, but the table of showbread represents the sinless man, Jesus covered with deity. I'm going to go somewhere. 
Because what this is really talking about is the duality of Jesus, both man and God. So then you have around the table this thing that looks a little bit like a crown. And, and you got this crown p- pattern which represents lordship or kingship. And, and it's the showbread that we find Jesus ministering as the Son of God, the Lord of lords, and the King of kings. It's an interesting thing to think about. It's a small table, though. I just needed, this is trivia. Some of you all like trivia. Do you all like trivia? We think of, you know, like a banquet table with nice soft chairs. If you're, depends on if you're at your parents that have plastic over the soft part. They don't use chairs. It's low to the ground. It's small. Because in that time, they would grab a pillow and sit down and feast. And what you'd find there is you find a table with golden plates. And on the golden plates were 12 loaves of unleavened bread. And there was one loaf for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. One that we can also see forward is one for each of the 12 disciples or apostles. And there were golden cups on the table, and there was wine, and there was poured, uh, drink offerings were poured out. There was golden spoons, which would take burn uh, coals to, the, to burn incense at the altar of incense. We're going to look at that later. The table was called the table of showbread, and showbread is literally translated in the Hebrew as shalaha, bread of faces, bread of his presence. And it means, shalaha means pierced, pierced. Each loaf was pierced. And placed on a rack, and that rack burned on the back of the bread across. Do you see symbology here? This is way before Jesus. We can look back through time and see what was going on, but God, from the beginning, if you ever think this thing has got any errors, come talk to me because uh, it doesn't. And we can talk about that. Pierced, representing Jesus Christ, the bread of life. It's also. Bread of faces. It's a table where God institutes the ministry, and it's the very first FaceTime. That didn't work. It was the very first Zoom. No, that didn't work either. FaceTime, all right? Think about it. Locking eyes with God. It was, a, it was undistraction. It was, it, was, it was putting your phones down in the modern world. Uh, it, 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 that he matters to your heart. You're in a place that only priests can go. And this FaceTime demonstrates how much we adore him. It's not about us coming and saying, oh, I've had a rough week. Fill me up, Lord. It's about us ministering to him. And when we do, it's amazing what we get out of it, but that's not why we do it. No, we're adoring him, and and it's important that we are giving him this time. And here's what's going on in this room that's quiet. You're close enough, right, to hear his whisper. You're close enough in the presence of uh, approaching the presence of God, the bread of life, to hear the rhythms of his heart, meaning what he loves and what he hurts over. You know what he weeps for. But it's also the... It's a place of intimacy. Everybody say intimacy. Can I just tell you intimacy in our current world automatically goes to the physical or sexual, and that's not what that is. You can ask anybody who truly fell in love with somebody is it wasn't all about the physical aspects. It was about the heart, loving another heart to a point of I can't live without you, and I can be a better person with you than without you, and God has put this together, right? That's intimacy. Don't lose that. But when we look at this face-to-face expressing your love to God and main... Okay, worshiper, 
hmm, how do I do this? I only have so much time. I got plenty of time. So I'm coming to community church as the pastor. What's my sacrifice? Wouldn't you like to know? Okay. Yes. And then I come up to realizing before I even minister who I really am without Jesus. And I see myself. And I know the word of God enough to say, Lord, that's not the truth, and that's not the truth. And I cleanse myself of the things the world tries to put on me. Does anybody have things said at you? Things that you feel? Guess what? If it's not a human in the, in the dark side, the devil's trying to put things on you. And so I get past that, and I come in, and I decide, after, or the Lord leads me in, after I've done the, the rituals of that, I'm now to serve him in the inner court. I'm to keep the bread fresh is part of my job. This isn't day old, this isn't stale old bread, you know. It's fresh. I'm ministering to the Lord. It means I have to be in the Word regularly, or it might get a little stale in me. The display for others might. Yeah, that seems like a little stale. You're a little stale, Pastor Bill. I don't want to be stale. I want you to think I've been anointed with the oil of the Holy Ghost and fresh bread of heaven flowing through me so you can eat because that's what it's about as a priest. It's not about what I'm doing. Did you know that Christianity is the only religion who has a God that wants to be known? Think about it. Christianity is the only only religion where God seeks the hearts of his children. It's the only religion who, who God loves the people more than he loves their worship. The only God that wants you to understand him as much as he already understands you. It's the only God. So the table of showbread is about ministering to God. And then there's the bread of presence. We find in John chapter 6, verse 32 this. And then Jesus said to them, and this is moving us into the New Testament, but it still was going on, temple worship at that time. Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes from heaven and gives life to the world. And he said to him, sir, then give us this bread always. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. See, God is wanting to be near you today. He, he's teaching us about access. He's talking about these models that actually set us up for what we're about to do, which is communion. If ever you've taken communion and thought it was just a bunch of cheap juice and a little bitty cracker that had no taste, you've missed the significance we should come through some stages. You know, part of the scripture says not to take communion without understanding what you're doing. It talks about, Father, find any wicked way would be within me, right? Why is that? Because I want to not only come as a sacrifice of praise, but I want to make sure I'm seeing who I really am. And I want to get your truth over me. I want your truth to just cover me. I want you to wash me, Lord, white as snow. So I can be in your presence. And communion... It's about 
coming together. It's a New Testament relationship with God. Old Testament we've been studying, but it, it foretells that. To become one, to reach unity with someone. And I, I, I'm coming up to something here I'm going to challenge you on. Unity with the heart of God and what he thinks of you. And through his body and blood, Jesus has invited you to become one with him today. Every day, yes, but today, especially, because we're going to take the elements. Hello? I know everybody says, I want to join him and, and receive all the benefits of his resurrection, right? But we also have to join him in the benefits of his death. It means when we take communion, it starts with, do you know Jesus? Do you understand what you're taking? Is it really real to you or is it just a great ritual? And can we hurry up so we can get into the next service and go home? How many in here like being like totally alone? Like no human ever or animals or loved ones or you'd, be, you'd do fine with, as long as you have your phone, right? Well, that's not alone. There's a show called Alone and the thing that gets most of them is the loneliness. And there are many who don't know Jesus for real that are in a crowded room. Maybe it's a church and they're so alone. But when you say yes to Jesus and when you accept what he's done for you through what he did at Calvary and you receive his Holy Spirit, the presence of one of the part of the triune God, you're not alone anymore. Whether you're on an island or not, you're not alone. See, he wants to join with you. He wants intimacy with you. So at our presence at the table, and by the way, does everybody, I don't want to go any further unless you, do you, does anybody, I got some people here who will hand you some elements. And while that's going on, just wait for next week when we get into the Holy Spirit and the power of God, part two, the altar of incense. For some of you, we have gluten-free in the back. Some of us have, are eating the older version of this, and we have a newer version of this. And then there, we've got it every way you want. The only thing we don't have it is with a bowl of soup. Somebody asked, could we just use those little clam cook crackers that at least have salt on them? You're missing the point. It's supposed to be unleavened bread. I think this is styrofoam, but anyway. So we, we've got this, this thing that many of you have done over and over and over for years. And I, I guess what I want to ask you to really search your heart. I, I want you to ask yourself, did you come this morning with a sacrifice for the Lord? Have you allowed him already to speak to you? to reveal to you, and then let the word of God flood into you? Or, or did you come not really knowing this Jesus we're talking about? Revelation says this, chapter 3, verse 20. This is the Lord. He says, behold, I stand at the door of your heart. I stand at the door and I'm knocking. And if you, and he'll call you by name. Holy Spirit doesn't just go, 
you know, mass media, mass marketing, mass, he's got your name. And he's calling you and he says, if you hear my voice and if you'll open your heart, I'll come in. You'll never be alone again. I'll come in and begin a journey with you that leads to sanctification. I'll journey with you. Yes, we'll take care of that sin. We'll take care of that shame. We'll take care of whatever is dead in you. And I'll bring life back to you because I have the resurrection power that has been evidenced through my rising again. Do you know him? Are you experiencing the power of the Lord? The comfort of the Lord? Because if not, let's take a moment and ask him to rectify that. So today, if you don't know Jesus, here's how you do it. Lord, I believe in all that your son did. You just talk to him. And Lord, I realize that I don't have that nailed down. I, I want you. I need you. I need a savior. I need to be saved for myself and from where I will head without you. And that's hell. But more importantly, I think we get in this area of the Bible belt. We just, we're, we're comfortable. Comfortability doesn't get you to heaven. So let's bow our heads just for a minute, and then we'll take communion. Bow our heads and say, Lord, search me. Let the laver of your spirit reveal in me what I need to wash before you, before I commune with you, and before I celebrate the body and the blood of you, Christ. Father, be glorified. Father, I pray for anyone who is settling things with you right now, accepting you. Father, make it complete and flood them with your love and forgiveness. Lord, thank you for being the bread of life. God, thank you for loving us from the beginning of creation that you want to be one with us today. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus in John chapter 14 says this, I am the way, I'm not Anyway, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to me, to the Father, except through me. That's Jesus. And Jesus came. He came for Bill Williams. He came for you. And he saw who you were without him. And he loved you so much that he said, I'm sending my son to die right now for when you would be born. And he gave over his life willingly, and he was crucified. He was beaten. He was nailed to a cross. This is his body that we take. This is his body. Do you see all your sin on that body, figuratively speaking? Have you ever thought about it? I'd need a wafer bigger than this room. My sin. Nailed. To his life. 
Let's take together. As he hung on the cross, you could see the stripes on his back. You could see his flesh that was bleeding. He, you could see all that he took for us. And it says, by his stripes we are healed. He took all of that, all the stuff we deserve, so that we can have life. And not just barely have life, but life abundantly. It, it, it's saying priests. And by the way, if you've said yes to Jesus, you're a priest. He says, I want the, your ministry to me. And then I want to minister through you. And what made that way was his life and his shed blood. And that animal no longer has to be every year. I'd have to have a herd because I'd be up there all every week asking the Lord to please forgive me. Here's more sin. Please forgive me. He said, it's finished. It's finished. And this last thing is, Lord, forgive them for what they not what they do. We're forgiven. Do you feel forgiven today? If you're forgiven today, just raise a hand. I just think it's important. If you don't feel forgiven, then you need to go back to the laver of the Word of God, and you need to go back to what's the truth. You are forgiven. You're loved. You're a child of the King if you've said yes to Him. And it's because He allowed His blood to pay that price. Let's take together. I think the worship team may be coming up here in a minute. Nope, yep, nope, nope, okay. You get to hear me sing. Let's all stand. Only a priest has the right to enter the holy place, and only a priest can recline at the table of God, and only a priest can reap the benefits that come from the intimacy of communion. My friend, my friend, this means if you've accepted Christ that you're a priest of the King of Kings. Look around and say, I didn't know you were a priest. Now, I, I, just, need to, I just need to say, I, this is normally to call the presence of the Lord, or there's a battle version and all kinds of stuff, but... I want to know if you can make a noise. Did you know you've been given an instrument right here? Yeah. See, I, you thought I, the worship team was going to come up. You're already standing up. You're the worship team. All right, this is my big stick. To... But think about what God has done for you. How would you express a worship through this instrument? Now, some of you may sing, some of you may shout, some of you may just say a word. I guarantee a grunting might qualify, but I doubt it. How many in here want the rocks to have to cry out on your behalf because you're regretful to worship him? No, we don't want the word. So I brought a funky little horn here, right? I wonder what noise you'll make. Will you join me in making just a couple of joyful noises to the Lord? Not because pastor said to, but because you're sensing the goodness of God for your life. Would you all celebrate him? Clap. Some of you may want to dance, so watch out. You're like, I didn't know we were in that kind of church. Hey, if it's God-inspired, we let it happen. If it's man, sit down, okay? Are you ready? Do I have to say I come on the mark, get set, go? Hold on a minute, God, we got to warm up. One, two, three.
right team. I know you might have had a, your eye on some earthly football game last yesterday, and some of you think you're victorious and others are mourning. But may I bring your attention back to the real jersey you wear. It's in crimson. It was bought and paid for by the son of, Je- of the Lord named Jesus Christ. And we're about ready to go take the field of life, which means as a believer, God is with you. Let him minister through you to others by you being transparent before him. May you go in his power and peace. God bless you. dismissed. Shy on me, lift up your song Cause you've got a 